Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our analysis of season two, episode eight of Your Honor. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Hi, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Kate. So this episode was written by Brandy Nicole, who also played the principal in Eugene's school earlier in the season and directed by Carrie Preston. So the episode opens adorably. Grandpa Michael, I like the look. It's like he was born for the job. I also mm-hmm. really dig father-in-law Michael too. He made her eggs and pancakes. Who does that? Mm-hmm. That was amazing. I was like, come on, can you make me some too? I know. I feel bad, but in my house, it's do you want eggs or pancakes? Not and. Oh, not both. Uh-uh, no, I'm a bad mom. Maybe for their birthdays. <laughs> why, why can't he be my father-in-law? She is super flustered and Michael regales her with a tale about spewing all the way to his bar test and a misplaced attempt at calming her, causing Fia to hilariously ask, what was the point of that story? Oh, that I passed. Anyway, apparently Fia's taking her GED today, but she's not nervous about passing it. She's just anxious because the whole five-year plan thing she did in school strangely did not include the plot of your honor. But Michael assures her nobody's five-year plan looks anything like their five years in reality. Mm-hmm. And that Liz insists she stays in this house. I wonder if they've met yet. I, I wanted to see that scene. So I hope they haven't met Yeah, yet. I assume they would have, right? Yeah, I mean, I think she would race home from Baton Rouge yeah. to meet her grandchild. But also, like, the episodes always pick up, like, right after. So she might have only been there for the night. So maybe they haven't met yet. Is this the first episode that... It probably hasn't. This um, this is what I'm guessing, like, days or weeks, like, after she stayed, right? They seem pretty comfortable with each other. Yeah, you're right. Especially him making her breakfast and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think she had her GED set up for the day after we last saw her, you know? She was just kind no. of a mess without direction. So, yeah, I agree. What is that? Is that just, like, so it's basically the high school equivalents? Yep. Yeah, it's exactly that. So if you don't finish high school... You have to take a GED? I don't know. I guess you don't have to, but that's the equivalent test, like you said. I like that he seemed to have have called her to ask for permission to see if they could stay over. Like, I thought that was cute (laughs) because she wasn't there. Right, yeah. yeah. She's like, no, no, they can stay. That's fine. We called. Yeah, that's cute. That baby looks like a gnome. and In a good way, like an adorable gnome. Oh, definitely in an adorable way. And it's the best baby actor I think I've seen for a while. Like putting yogurt all over its face and just like being a regular cute little baby and not crying. And it's just adorable. I wonder though, I wonder if they're both that perfect or if it's just like one of the twins. True. Yeah, but in the course of their like 90 second conversation, baby Rocco has impressively spread the entire contents of the yogurt container around <laughs> his face. And it makes me wonder, yeah. though, if someone in makeup had to do that to this baby or if they just left the baby to his own device. Improvise. For 90 seconds. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Do you guys think that the line that Brian said where he was just like, who did that to you? Or do you think that was improvised? Because like it seemed <laughs> yeah, like maybe. Yeah, because hmm. unless unless like you said, like they did like put this um the yoga on the baby's face. Right, I guess it would depend if it was the baby doing it itself or yeah, they right. did it intentionally. I would vote improv, I think, if I had to. I did like that line. It was very cute and the way he looked at the baby when he said it. I know. <laughs> it was really funny. I, that's what I wrote in my notes. Who did that to you, Michael asks. To Kimberly's delight, 
Like that was the very first thing that you said to me about the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You watched the whole episode and you were like, who did that to you? <laughs> and then Olivia walks up looking super cute, but she's ready for him to get back to work and reminds her, and he reminds her that he is done with her. She insists that she has to have Fia first. And then their joyous reunion is interrupted by Fia's friend Stacy, who's here to babysit. And after Olivia promises this is the last thing she'll ever ask of him, he gets to somewhat correct his text of a couple of weeks ago. These are the last <laughs> words that I'll speak to you. Fuck off. I love that. It was a good line, but I feel very unlikely. Yeah, definitely. She's like his shadow. He's got such great delivery. I know. They're both great together. So good. We haven't seen her for a few episodes, had we? At least not in the last one. I don't remember if she was yeah. the one before mm-hmm. that, but yeah. Yeah. Back at Big Mo's new bar, I, I enjoy the New Orleans sound and feel of this. She's looking up and admiring her new signage. I think it used to be called the Rain Bar, so she's renamed it Desi Boulet. Desi means desire. Anyway, it's the night of the grand opening. Janelle is, of course, opening, and Big Mo's admiring her signs when she steps back into the road for a better look. First of all, that was dumb, even without several people who would like to see you dead out there. And conveniently, mm-hmm. one of them is driving by right now. Gina looks like she wants <laughs> to do it, but she breaks just in time to not do any serious damage. But she's close. Mm-hmm. Like, Big Mo's hands are on her hood even. And then Gina looks up at the sign. It seems she was not here on purpose, but the prospect of opening night clearly infuriates her. I'm honestly shocked mm-hmm. that she didn't run her over. It doesn't seem very Gina-like to stop, except I guess she doesn't get her own hands dirty. No, she doesn't. It's a good observation. And then Big Mo steps back to let her pass. Chris tells her, she all bark, no bite. And Mo disagrees. That bitch got bite. <laughs> I was distracted by Big Mo's manicures. Her nails were amazing. She, is, she looks amazing in every scene. The costume, the hair, the makeup. Yeah, in that scene I wrote, Andrine looks gorgeous. She always looks gorgeous. Yeah. And she's so well put <laughs> together. And the costume department, Olivia Miles, right? Yes. amazing amazing but also hair and makeup amazing everything on her yes. is perfect i want to know who does the nails yeah the nails oh i couldn't like deal though I, I don't know how you like operate in life with long nails like that no i wouldn't be able to do it either so the, every time i see them and i like that style a lot so every time i see them i get kind of jealous but i can't i can't handle cakes with like cat yeah i feel like there are very few jobs that you can use those for but maybe i'm wrong because people have them and they look very cool. Beautiful, yeah. Then Lee's visiting Eugene in jail and she's brought him crayons, adorable, and paper for drawing because he can't have pencils. They're too sharp weapons. She's there to ask Eugene to think very carefully about a number. How much time are you willing to serve? And we don't hear the answer. I was very surprised she gave him crayons in a book. Like, this was the reason he's, you know, he got caught in the first place because of his <laughs> freaking drawings. Did we not learn? <laughs> This boy is not allowed crayons, pencils, text to draw. <laughs> He's not allowed. He can have maybe a coloring. She should have given him a coloring book. Coloring books, yeah. yeah. Even one of those adult ones. Yeah. You have a very good point. That's so funny. <laughs> not allowed to draw. So how come he isn't in a juvenile facility in the first place? Is that was there a reason that we heard of it for that or? I think when the crime is bad enough and you're close enough to 18, I think there's some Uh, wiggle room there for the judge. And he shot somebody, so Mm -hmm. that's what I'm guessing. I don't know. He shot the son of a judge, even though we know Michael's no longer a judge as well. I guess 
the um mm-hmm. when it's aggravated like the elements of the case yeah, I guess. Okay. yeah. but he was separated because um lee asked him if he was being if he yeah. was it does seem though that there should just be like a pretty like solid line where you're either charged as a juvenile because you're a certain age or not yeah. like, it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it should be subjective that's very mm-hmm. strange i agree me. yeah that is strange I like the shot of them though, um, in these scenes when they're talking at that table. I think it's yeah. really cool. It did make for a good picture on the collage this week. Collage. I look forward to doing the collage. In the next scene, she takes it directly to Jarek, the DA. He gets straight to the point. If he pleads guilty, he'll get 30 years. Otherwise, life. And she points out how dirty his cops are and that they tried to kill Eugene, but that doesn't affect him too much. In the end, Jarek tells her he's open to dealing with her if Eugene trades information that will incriminate upper members of Desire, and Lee states the obvious that they'll kill him if he does that. But just for the hell of it, how low could you go if he does have information? Lower than 30 years. Find out if he does, and then we'll talk. It's it's always impressive to me how the life of people are just, it's just like a deal like a yeah how much time how much this how much that you know like yeah you see how the justice work i mean justice needs to be needs to happen i understand that but it's like mm-hmm. how do you negotiate like oh if you kill someone shouldn't it be a set amount yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it's always weird to me when i see it in movies and i know that's what happens in real life how it's just like a negotiation it's pretty sad it is crazy how it works like that a negotiation and how people can debate like it's not what you know it's what you can prove so if you, like I've always seen it as if you're a good debater you're probably going to win the case you know yeah I am um, I was wondering when Lee said that Eugene only allegedly killed Adam but then I was thinking the they'd probably have cameras right at Baxter's hotel well and witnesses they saw him yeah he didn't mean to kill Adam but he did so he still went with a gun to mm-hmm. do some damage so yeah. I mean I don't know how much the circumstances around what got Eugene to do it will change the outcome of yeah. what a jury might say but mm-hmm. the guy was right he still did it it yeah. just sucks that he did it mm-hmm. because the circumstances kind of pushed him in that direction yeah so I was surprised when Lee was saying that obviously the cops are the ones who say that he did that and they're dirty in the first place but obviously they are dirty but if you've got evidence then yeah I'm really like I do feel like Eugene's gonna get off maybe with even with Michael's help in the end but yeah I hope so it it just seems so difficult for him to do so I don't know mistrials they get you off is that right sometimes but I think sometimes it can be retried I'm not 100% sure it'll be interesting to see do you guys think that Michael would want Eugene to be punished to the full extent of the law because I don't think so I think that's the beauty of this season, how different he'll be from Jimmy, you know? He'll be understanding. Yeah, and I think even in the first season, like going back there, that we saw Michael was very, um, I guess, empathetic towards people that he was, um, you know, the judge for the trials that he was judging on. Right. Even his family, even Eugene's mom. What was she accused of? Uh, Hiding drugs in her private parts. Yeah, but I think that just him knowing that what he put in motion kind of yeah. snowballed mm-hmm. into what happens at the end. Even then, I, I think it's also why he just wouldn't want Eugene to, to have to pay that consequence. Yeah, I agree. And I look forward to seeing it play out because we still haven't 
we've mentioned a few times that Michael's like not associated with desire at all. No. But yes. I guess if he helped Eugene, that would be a connection. Mm-hmm. It would be. Back at the hotel, Jamie's getting dressed in the nursery room. Seems like he's taken up residence in the Baxter Outcast suite. And <laughs> you can see on his face how much he misses Fia and Rocco as he looks around. Down mm. in security, Carlo is super proud about bringing their security system into the 21st century with cameras you can access from your phone. <laughs> it kind of made me laugh. <laughs> and Jimmy is like also ecstatic. He's so proud of his boy. They're cute together lately. Gina busts in on the happy scene, though, and she can't let that shit stand in her house, so she angrily demands to know what they're doing about Big Mo's big opening. Jimmy says they'll triple the security and asks, and she asks about Fia, and Carlo tells her Fia's still playing House of Desiato. Hmm, what a lovely morning indeed. She is not a happy woman. <laughs> I love the music that they always play when Gina's on the screen. <laughs> It's like she's the devil. Like yeah. it's really um, menacing well. kind of music. <laughs> I did notice that um, a few episodes ago when Carlo and Fia were talking back when she was still living there, I think it was Carlo that said that Jimmy used to call Fia the lion-hearted. And I noticed that in the baby's cot there was a little lion. And I wonder if when he was looking at the... Little lion, that's what he was thinking of. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I bet so. That's really cute. Good observation. I guess with what Carlos said about she's still playing her house with Desiato, that just kind of like what we said earlier, that she's probably been there for a little while. Yeah, good point. Yep, definitely not just one night. They know exactly where she, you know, well, obviously they don't know where she Mm -hmm. is, but, you know, she thought she could, like, get away when she was talking to the priest in the church. Nope. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> nope, she can't get away. They're following her everywhere. I wonder what happened to Frankie. That reminds me. I wonder where he went. <laughs> Is he alive? I mean, he's alive, right? I guess we didn't, like, it's not confirmed that he's dead, so he's probably alive, right? Right. But, yeah, wonderful. we'll see him again. Um, but that means that we missed the Liz-Rocco meeting. That makes me sad. Yeah, that makes me sad, too. Back at Pufa's, Big Mo and Russell are counting out the cash to deliver to Roderick via Condios, Roderick. So I guess <laughs> they are done with him. Mo opens the safe, skims a little off the top, and Russell puts the rest in a bag for Houston for Roderick, while Mo admires an engagement ring that's obviously headed for Janelle. She hands the extra hundos to Russell, saying they move the rest of the deadly heroin, but it sounds like they made it weak as hell first. Still, I'm surprised they moved it after that. And then Chris comes in and Big Mo hands out assignments for the night. Russell's taking money to trap houses and Chris gets stuck at Bufa's. He seems quite displeased at missing the party. I guess Russell got promoted to right-hand man after Terrence's death. But then the music tells us Chris is scheming something. Yeah. I like that shot of him where he lights up his joint and goes up to a close-up of his face. Yeah, I liked it too. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he's bought that ring or it's like an hand-me-down ring because it seems like it means a lot to her. Mm, Interesting. I have a note further on, but I was surprised he didn't leave it in there just because it's kind of like, this is what's so important to you, you can have it. Mm, Yeah, I thought maybe that might be the only thing he would have left, yeah. And then Michael visits the bank where he has Adam's 529. The banker doesn't get it. He doesn't have to go to college to use it. And Michael finally cuts him off. Adam died. What are my options now, motherfucker? As a financial advisor, I can answer that question. You can pull the money out, 
but then the gains get taxed. So ideally you just roll it to another child and it seems like that's what he did. Just transferred it to Fia so she would need to use it on educational expenses, but that means she can go to college without needing her family to help. So mm-hmm. I like how that worked out nicely. It gives yeah. her some independence from the Baxters and still allows her to make a future for herself. It was sad. Like the music was so like somber and like yeah. the way his eyes were. And I was just like, oh, this is really sad. Yeah, it was. But I guess um, like you said, it will help Fia and little baby Rocco. Yeah, this should be great for her. For her, she seems very intelligent. I'm sure she was heading for college yeah, she before all this happened. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to hesitate. You know, he doesn't really know her, even though that's his grandson. Right. Like he didn't even think about it. It was just like the, the best thing to do, again, showing that he's still who he is. Right. Because he also could have, he could have transferred it to Rocco, right? Because he's his blood and she's not. So I like that he gave it to Fia instead. Michael doesn't, I don't think he has any money because he got thrown in jail for something about taxes. So I would assume everything got frozen or however that works. So, you know, he has no money. So he, he didn't keep it or try to keep it or, you know, maybe he couldn't. Well, he could have kept it. It just would have been less because it would have been taxed, but he still could have kept it to have money and he didn't. You're right. Mm-hmm. So that was a good point you had earlier in the season about the taxes and freezing his assets. Back at jail, Eugene's horrified about 30 years, but he's also not a snitch. And Lee suggests maybe he needs a better lawyer and that breaks his heart. You're going to bail on me too? It makes him mad. And then she shows how afraid she is. She's afraid to do her job. She's afraid if she pushes the wrong people too hard, then something bad might happen. So does she mean she thinks the cops will kill him? Is that what her fear is? I mean, the cops already tried to kill him. So right. if they believe that he's snitching on desire, they're going to kill him too. So he's pretty much fucked. Yeah, and the Baxters, everyone's kind of out to uh, get There's him. a lot of enemies. Mm-hmm. Then Gina runs into one of the other mothers from her support group, Donetta. She joins her and apologizes for calling her son a heroin addict. And then <laughs> she admits she doesn't really get along with women well and Donetta laughs like no shit (laughs) newsflash but Gina's like fairly vulnerable here she's like pouring her heart out and Donetta's probably like what the fuck um Gina tells her she feels like a mother without any children which is an awful thing to say to an actual mother without any children Mm -hmm. when Gina still has two and especially because it's just because Gina's a shitty mom but Mm -hmm. she apologizes for saying that and the talk turns to marriage Janetta's marriage fell apart after their son's death and she tells Gina not to let Jimmy stand between her and her children but it's Gina that's standing between her and her children though like it's not Jimmy anyway Gina then asks her if a heroin house moved in across the street from you and Donetta knows where she's going with it and cuts her off I would burn their house to the ground Mm -hmm. maybe we will be friends I actually thought Gina was like fucking around for this whole scene. Yeah. I really didn't think she was being serious until the scene later on with Jimmy. I was like, oh, maybe it was genuine. (laughs) I just think she was looking for validation and everything that this woman was telling her was things that she could validate and use herself to stay Mm -hmm. on top because she's not accepting any blame, you know? So it's, it's easier to blame other people. She's not the picture perfect nice person that she thinks she is no at the beginning I thought it was a weird conversation you know I'm like she's so out of touch with reality that the things that come out of her mouth I mean I'm surprised she realized that the second thing she said was wrong and she's like okay that came out wrong and apologize because she doesn't seem like the type yeah 
On that same topic of heroin, Chris steps out of Bufa, sees a heroin balloon on the ground and makes his decision. Fuck it. And walks back inside with a purpose. That couldn't have been the balloon, right? That was just a balloon. Yeah, just a balloon. <laughs> I like seeing the ship window from out, outside. I do love that window. I don't think they hit the window later. I think they just hit the nice mirror. Okay, good. Because that window needs to be saved. Preserved for all eternity. Mm-hmm. Lee's trying to negotiate with Jarek again, but he says they're so far apart, they might as well meet in court. And then at first I thought Lee was offering him Michael Desiato, but what she's doing actually protects Michael. Uh, She threatens him with season one of Your Honor, Michael Desiato. He fixed a trial. He helped a guilty killer go free because if that information got out, every every trial he presided upon will be thrown out or reopened and appealed. A DA's worst nightmare. When he asks if she can prove it, she points out she doesn't have to. She just has to take it to the news and the lawyers will take it over from there. Brilliantly. Yes, this can get her disbarred, but she doesn't care. So she doesn't want to be a lawyer anymore anyway, which I got from the look she gave the courthouse in her earlier scene too. She did not seem to want to go back in there. Mm -hmm. And he tells her he'll try, but his best offer he could ever give her is dropping the charge to negligent murder. And if Eugene goes to trial, it'll be murder one, life without parole, and he'll die in jail. So basically the worst thing happens like in their next scene is that (laughs) Eugene says, no, I'm not pleading guilty. So basically just says because they're going to force him to trial instead of taking the 10-year deal. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. I just found it interesting that she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, she spent how much time going to school, you know? And now I don't want to be a lawyer anymore because she realized it's not what she thought it was, especially if- Michael was her mentor knowing that what he did kind of probably pushed her off it's interesting they haven't interacted yet this season yeah they haven't have they Hmm. maybe next episode right yeah probably I I imagine they will and I guess not everybody in in the DA's office knows what he did because he's like no he already went to prison and she's like not you know he seemed surprised Mm -hmm. yeah it seems that only that initial group of people right know about what Michael did like Olivia um, Nancy, whoever else was in that meeting, I can't exactly remember. His boss has to know, you know, what he did because what she says is true. If it comes out, they're going to have to try all the cases and the DA's office is going to look really bad. Has that happened in real life? Because that would literally be like the biggest nightmare. I'm pretty sure it has happened. I just don't know if it has been public. Maybe I have no idea. Well, I guess from what we heard um, when um, Carlo and Michael saw each other when he was talking about Harry the Hook. So it has happened right. before. <laughs> but whether yeah. or not they um, had to go through all those judges' cases again. I just wonder, you know, obviously we know what's going to happen in the next episode because we see that in the next scene, Eugene says that he wants to go to trial. I wonder what's going to come out in the trial because this mess goes yeah. all the way to Charlie. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Michael does not have a career. He's not going to get his license back. He He's not going to care, you know, if it comes out that he threw the case away. Like, yeah, I did. Yeah, he's already fucked. So mm-hmm. I just wonder how much is going to come out and how much shit is going to hit the fans. Yeah. And I wonder how much Fia will also find out. Yeah, because Fia still hasn't found out that it was Adam that killed Rocco. You know, mm-hmm. she still thinks it was Kofi. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be pretty devastating. Yeah, I was really surprised later on that they protected that information still, you know? Maybe they're waiting for the season finale. 
Stacy and Fia are talking over the sleeping baby back at Liz's. That's an easy baby you have, but doesn't it freak you out having a baby at our age? Fia takes it well, and Stacy kindly doesn't even accept money for her services. Good friend. Alas, Olivia has come to ruin the moment. Her drop-ins rival Tuello's and Handmaid's. <laughs> I'd rather uh, Tuello drop in. True. I was kind of scared that she was that she was gonna say what we just talked about, like from the get-go. So you know, mm. when the scene played out on the other one, I was like, oh fuck, oh, where the fuck is Michael? <laughs> Mm, yeah that was bound to happen he should have known she was gonna directly go to fia if he didn't know not that that would have changed his mind back at the hotel jimmy assures carlo there are 12 extra guys here tonight outside here for protection not instigation then there's a chat about clothing jimmy loves carlo's sartorial choices of late yep i had to google that word that <laughs> i am not i'm not classy enough to know sartorial then there's a conversation about ties not wearing one means you answer to no one Nice little father-son moment. Have you ever come across that where people don't wear ties for that very reason? I've never heard of that reason, but I do like the non-tie look. I could see it kind of like as a dig to him too, maybe. I don't. I mean, I don't think so. He wants to be close to his kids, but it's like to each his own. His own. Like, remember that you still answer to me, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of hurt his feelings, I think. Yeah. So I don't know. And then obviously Gina says something. In, a net, in another scene, like Carlo, not that I give a shit. Like, I don't like him. He's kind of stuck in the middle between both of them. So it's right. interesting. Yes. I wonder what's going to happen um, to Carlo also in the next few episodes. As they separate and divorce? Well, also because of the trial, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So during the season, we kind of saw Carlo sort of, we were being more sympathetic towards Carlo. Well, you were in yeah. okay. Yes. <laughs> Um, but then last episode was right back to the beginning again. Yeah, asshole. So it'll be interesting to see if they, um, what happens to Carlo in the next couple of episodes with seemingly the trial of Eugene coming up. Yeah. I like that it's ending in a trial too, like back in the courthouse. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know how it's ending, but I'm glad that it's going back into the courthouse. Maybe he'll end up like Harry the Hook. That makes sense. That would definitely be full circle, wouldn't it? Yep. Yeah. Over at Desire, there's a long-ass line waiting to get in. Opening night is going well. Big Mo comes in while Janelle's getting ready and realizes she's nervous. And they both look super hot. Once again, I love Big Mo's clothes, but we talked about it a lot. And then Big Mo lets on she's nervous too. But when she tries to kiss Janelle, she gets shut down. Nah, she's got her face on already. But after the show, she's all Mo's. And Big Mo gets vulnerable for how long? Forever? Forever. Ah, what a sweet little love story that's sure to have a happy ever after. I was very, I'm very envious of that um, setup that she's got, that mirror and just the whole oh, like, makeup too. station. It was so nice, right? Yeah. Everything about it is just like, this is one of my favorite sets. Very, very cool feel. Yeah, it was very. And like you said, they both looked lovely. Very beautiful. Then Big Mo goes out into the club. She's doing her rounds, camps out in the corner while outside Gina makes her way over to the club holding a liquor bottle like a weapon. Jimmy follows her but tells her dad said we shouldn't initiate contact. Dad said that annoys Gina. She tries to walk right in, but the bouncer bounces her, tells her to get in line until Russell comes out and handles it. Avoids <laughs> the conflict, welcomes her in. Mo and Russell face off with Gina and Jimmy, welcome them to the Desi Boule. It's a very funny conversation between them. Gina implies they're not going to last long, so they wanted to come over quickly. 
She offers her the fancy liquor. Thought she'd appreciate the change for malt liquor. Uh, everyone's amused. Big Mo takes a swig. And does she say $500 shat here? That's a Louis Treze cognac. It's, the mo- I think, one or the most expensive liquor you can find. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the malt liquor was a dig, you know. Yeah, malt liquor is like cheap, awful. Yeah. What I loved was the way Russell handled it. He was so sarcastic. It was hilarious. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. this is Baxter. Yeah. How Big Mo twisted her around because she was also being disrespectful to Gina. You know, she, yeah. she was able to even out they the playing field of the dicks. Yeah. And I loved how she how she did it, you know, for the homies and stuff like that. And she was right. It was awesome. I really liked this scene. It was pretty cool. I do too. Do you know if she does say shat though? Is that what she says? $500? Shot, because that's what probably they'll charge you for a shot. Yeah. Yeah. $500 shot. <laughs> shot tastes like, gotcha. But yeah, when she pours some out for the homies, it's amazing. And Gina's look, the look on Gina's face is, she is angry. And I, <laughs> a big, for me, like Big Mo's gotta be one of the best written characters I've ever seen on like any show. She's just so consistently amazing yeah and her delivery of course like obviously that's all andrine um but every yes. single line that comes out of her mouth is perfect nobody else could play her gina knew that that was i guess maybe what she was trying to show was like i'll give this to you i know you're gonna fuck with it um it doesn't matter because we have so much money yeah i think that that was exactly the idea you're not gonna win this we have so much money you can't Mm -hmm. you can't defeat us here enjoy this before we crush you after gina walks out she reminds carlo that he came out of her vag not jimmy's (laughs) (laughs) carlo is confused i guess she sees that carlo is slowly coming a tiny bit closer to his dad She's yeah, I mean, Carlo him. just wanted his dad's approval, like, instantly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that slow, so. Well, she says she says it, you know, like, I'm glad, you know, I know it means to you, it means a lot to you, and I'm glad you have it, but remember, you know, I'm your mother, like, I own you. For a second, I felt bad for Carlo. <laughs> second. It's just so crazy, because it's not hurting her. It shouldn't hurt her relationship with him, and it's just her being petty and wanting him to to hate his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas they could just both be close to Carlo, but nope. Nope. Inside, Janelle takes the stage and Sierra Renee crushes it as always. She's got a beautiful voice. Big Mo is especially turned on when she sings the line, something about you makes me feel like a dangerous woman. Was that an Ariana Grande song? Yeah. Initially, I thought it was an older song, but then I was like, oh, wait, she says dangerous woman. Exactly. I had the same mental journey that you did. Yes. I was surprised it was Ariana. But it's an awesome song for what is happening. Yes. And Big Mo is just like eating this performance up. She's madly in love with her girl as Boofa's Bar gets completely crushed to the background of mm-hmm. Janelle singing. And I really mm-hmm. loved it. And if we didn't know already, I mean, you can you can tell it's Chris. His, his locks are on display. And one of the girls <laughs> gives him a look like, what? Why? And he nods to her to get out before they beat the shit out of the bar, including that beautiful mirror. Um, but I just really, really loved that it was to Janelle singing at the yeah. grand opening of the fucking bar that caused all this trouble. Yeah, I like the way it cut between the scenes. It was done very well, I think. And yeah, <laughs> a note that I wrote down was 
He could have got a better disguise, to be honest. Um, yeah, seriously. It wasn't <laughs> that just good. Just because his hair is recognizable. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love his hair, but it was very obvious. Yes, it was. When I saw the the previews for it, I thought it was it was going to be Little Mo. I wasn't yeah, expecting it, was it to be Yeah, it was a while ago we saw that. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I thought Little Mo might have popped up, actually. Um, like right. I thought they were going to do a reveal that he would be there as well. But yeah, he never he never popped up. I wonder who else was there. Just some of the guys, of her guys, I guess. Yeah, yeah probably. But I also expected Little Mo to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Back with Olivia and Fia, it seems like she's finally being told the whole story. I was, like, scared. Yeah. And Fia is clearly affected, but says, even if all this is true and it seems like you have no idea if it is, it's got nothing to do with me. And then Olivia smartly starts with Kofi's house, a a picture of Kofi's house, and then each picture of the family that was murdered, each little girl, and Mm -hmm. it was really sad. And then Fia's like, it was a gas leak. Olivia says, come on, Fia. (laughs) And then Fia asks, what do you want from me? I want you to be the compassionate, strong person I know you are. I want you to get me inside the Baxter family. And Fia refuses. But Olivia asks, what are they going to do in the future if you do nothing? If you choose to do nothing now, you got to wonder what makes you different. She does a good job here, I think, of convincing her. Seems kind of desperate. Like, I don't know, like, I've always been thinking, like, why is she so set on getting to the Baxters? Like, we haven't seen that yet. She seems pretty desperate for it yeah i don't know when i saw kofi's sisters i was i was pretty desperate too i want them to go down for that it was such overkill mm-hmm. it was kind of funny to me that she wants fear to like spy on a family when she's literally just left to get away from there yeah it's not gonna be easy to uh get her to flip because she wants nothing to do with them <laughs> and it's her family it has to be you know like she says it's it's just, it was a gas leak. You know, I'm pretty sure in the back of her mind, she's smart and she knows what her family is capable of, but accepting mm-hmm. that your family is capable of doing those things has to affect her and hurt her, you know, it's still her mom, her dad. Yes. Then Michael comes in and with great familiarity demands, what the hell do you think you're doing? And Olivia tries to play it off like they don't know each other, which was surprising to me. Introduces herself. He plays along, kicks her out as Pia's lawyer. And I think Michael was unsure why she didn't out him there. And the baby starts crying, which might be a bad omen, or it might just be a baby crying, as they want to do. (laughs) Um, I was surprised. Why didn't she tell him? Why didn't she out him? If she can't get her to do it willingly, then she can force him. Like, if you don't want me to break up your family, because she's pretty sure going to get mad at him for not telling him the story or because it was Adam, she can have more control. So I think that's exactly why she didn't do it. Makes sense. The acting itself in this scene was great, but the acting of the characters themselves was, like, pretty poor. I was like, Fia, seriously, do you not, like, there's something weird going on here? (laughs) Same, yeah. And then Snazzy Russell once again has to break the bad news to Big Mo, and he does not beat around the bush. We've been hit. Bufas and the trap house. All of them. And it's funny when Janelle's, like, so upset that Big Mo is going to go, because of course she's going to go. Then when she gets to Bufas, we see Big Mo, like, really upset for maybe the first time. And she goes to the safe, and all Mm -hmm. that's left inside is the ring box. And I actually, like I mentioned earlier, I actually thought he'd leave the ring inside since it's this fucking girlfriend that she seemed to decide they were all worth trading for. Mm -hmm. But nope, Chris left her a little goodbye note. Fuck you. A balloon like the one that killed his brother. 
and she announces to Russell it was Chris and they hear someone walking on broken glass and they all spin with their guns and pull their guns on Janelle and then Mo screams why the fuck didn't you go home and for some reason this seems to be a deal breaker for Janelle I was confused why this was such a big deal I guess did she she had a gun right yeah but she knows she has a gun come on mm-hmm. maybe it's just she spoke to her in the club like I'll meet you yeah. at the house like it was an order and this one I guess you know that's two out of three all right that, that's the impression I got yeah no, it's not sense. like she doesn't know what big Mo is doing you know yeah back at Liz's Michael's eager to know exactly what that U.S. attorney told her did she mention anything about me about Adam now he doesn't say that but it's clearly like what he's worried about since Olivia didn't. He tells Fia she's a 17-year-old girl. It's not your job to fight crime. Stay out of it. Take care of yourself. And then he gives her Adam's college fund to make a new five-year plan. And he tells her that they should get as far away from the city as they can. Yeah, they should. In the show, we're always wondering how much money people are giving people. And now I'm wondering it again. I also wondered it earlier um, at Bufa's on the counter. Yes, me too. I wanted to know how much money was going to Roger's. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm so stuck on that, but same. I wondered how much was in the 529, but I bet it was a lot because, you know, he was a judge and Adam was 18 by then or almost 18. So I bet it's many hundreds of thousands at least. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice gift. Very nice. Good, good father-in-law. He is. It's very sweet. Then the next morning, Jimmy tries his cheery morning line again with Gina Poor Jimmy. But really, he should be thrilled with what's about to happen, in my opinion. (laughs) Gina tells him the night Rocco died, she knew right there and then they would never make it. Jimmy tries to talk her into giving them some time. He's even done some reading about this for a gangster who's sweet. That was very surprising. Yeah. (laughs) He tells her he's not going anywhere. And she tries to explain herself to us a little. I pushed you to try to exact revenge, to try to make the pain a little better, but it didn't help. And then she goes in for the kill. Finish him. Isn't that from like Mortal Kombat, I think? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. But we can never change the fact that Rocco is dead because of you and I will never love you again. And then she mm. drops the mic and walks out. Well, she walks in. She looks relieved, actually, after she but says she that. It. She did. Yeah. And Jimmy looks sad. That reminded me of what Jimmy tells Michael about how it was Michael's fault that Adam was dead because he made the wrong decision. So then just give me the impression that they're that Jimmy and Michael right now are kind of like in the same place, you know, their sons yeah. died, you know, they're like really intertwined. And it was it was a very interesting scene. Yeah, that's a good parallel from earlier. I feel like Michael's doing pretty well though. Jimmy's I don't know, maybe Jimmy's doing really well. Yeah. I wonder what what would be Carmine's reaction to this breakup, I wonder. I mean, I would think he'll tell her to stay, right? Because isn't that what he did? Yeah. Last time mm-hmm. they had a discussion about marriage. Where the, do you think we'll see Carmine again or he just fell off the face of the planet? Mm, no, nah, I think I think we will see him again, especially now that that's happened. And also, um, yeah, we didn't see um, anything about he was talking to the guys who wanted to. Yeah, the Calibri family. Yeah. 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 I do think we'll see him again, too. I hope we see him again. Like we've said before, they're pretty good at not just dropping storylines. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, I just hate that Gina says like she wanted him to exact revenge, and it didn't help. Like all this stuff that she told Jimmy to do, and 
it was never worth it because right. none of it helped and Eugene's whole family is dead. Family? I mean, yeah. so many other things as well. And it's just That's like... still the most upsetting part of like the whole show is Eugene's mm-hmm. family getting blown up. It's just awful how much she just doesn't seem to give one fuck about anything. She's just like, well, it didn't help, so... Hmm. Yeah, she's the fucking worst. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think Jimmy should not be too sad, but he looks sad. Yeah. If I was him, I'd be like, yay! Yeah. Rejoicing! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Finally! It was easy, yeah. Uh, and then Lee's excited to tell Eugene about her progress, and he's excited at first, till he realizes he has to plead guilty and he can't even explain his side of the story. Poor innocent... Well, not innocent, but naive Eugene. He tells her, no mm-hmm. deal, I want my trial. So that's back to what Jarek said. He will get life in prison with no parole. It's very hard to prove what he wants to prove. You know, he has to create reasonable doubt. And yeah, I don't know. But even if he proves why he did it, it doesn't really matter. He murdered someone in Mm -hmm. sight of everyone. Mm -hmm. I feel like he'll get off. Yeah, exactly. I feel like he'll get off somehow. And I'm looking forward to seeing how. And I will be really bummed Mm -hmm. if I'm wrong and he goes to jail for life. I'm definitely looking forward to I guess the whole trial and what's going to come out. Yeah. They have more than enough. Sorry. No, I was just going to say he could have been out in a few years, they said, you know? 10 years, yeah. Or three with good behavior. Exactly. Yeah. That's nothing, you know, relative to your entire life. Come on, Eugene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, I'm really excited for Up 9, the penultimate episode this week. Can't believe there's only two episodes, though. God, that is crazy. A lot's going to happen in the next two episodes. Mm-hmm. And we're very excited to talk to the showrunner, Joey Hartstone, after episode nine. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Yes, that, that'll be awesome. In the final scene, Michael's on a bench in a very public place, and Olivia walks up. He's there to save Fia. He will get Jimmy for her if she leaves Fia out of it. And he says, I can. You leave Fia and Rocco alone, and I will get you, Jimmy Baxter. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Firstly, what an incredible set. Yeah, the three benches and the gazebo-like thing. Yeah. How do they find this? I don't know. Yeah. Shout out to the location team because it's amazing. Yeah. It just looks like a lovely little park bench with the gazebo and, you know, there's Mm -hmm. like water and it just looks so serene. And then the conversation they're having is the opposite. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. The dichotomy. I love, like, every set has just been so great in this season. I love how they, like, zoomed in, and then they, as as the episode was ending, they zoomed out again. The DP, Crescenzo Notarile, I'm sure I'm butchering it, but he's amazing. All the shots have been brilliant. I wonder how Michael thinks he's going to go deep into the Baxters. I don't know, quickly. Does he know he only has two episodes left? Does he realize this? (laughs) I don't know if it's going to tie to the trial with Eugene because he was the one that Mm -hmm. threw the case. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that ties into it, but I found it interesting how he was just willing to just go play by Olivia's rules just, you know, to save Fia and Rocco. On the topic of the sets, which I love so much this season, Jeffrey Mosa is the production designer. Yes, all the sets have been amazing, especially, um, well, shout out to the butchers. We've got a shout out to the butchers. That was one of my faves. <laughs> You're so obsessed with the butchers. I really liked the dressing room today. Oh, yeah. And the new bar is nice, too. Yeah, and and just buffers with, you know, and the window, the window. and 
yeah just everything about the sets have been yeah. amazing and liz's house is quite nice oh yeah the boxer hotel yeah while we're shouting people out i noticed the name of the person who does the music is david buckley and it's been incredible all season so yep agreed really good every single detail of the show has been amazing yes it has can't wait for the last two episodes a lot's gonna go down I know I am counting the days till Friday and then Saturday talking to Joey and then again Friday. Very exciting two weeks ahead. Very exciting. All right. I think that's a wrap on our analysis of season two, episode eight of Your Honor. Come back next week for episode nine. We also have a slew of interviews coming up. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast page so you don't miss any. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.